All right. Well, Pastor Mike has invited me, um, and he has informed me that you guys going through a sermon series right now that is called Unlocking Freedom in Your Life. How many weeks have you been into it already? Six weeks? Four weeks? Four? Four weeks? So you probably know all the scriptures already about it, right? <laughs> well, I'm going to draw from an example from the Old Testament later on, but I just want to say when Pastor Mike told me about the subject, I was very enthusiastic about it because unlocking freedom in a life is just such a crucial key. And there's a couple of principles that we really can look up from Scripture to apply in our life. There's, you know, there's a lot of theory, but unlocking freedom in your life is something that is very practical that we can apply in our life. And it, it, it's great. If we only look it up and we actually do what it says. We have a celebrate recovery um, back in, in our church, this Riverside Church in, in Hutchinson. And I'm leading the Celebrate Recovery program there, and it's just a fantastic program. I don't know if you know it. I think there was one in Hibbing here. Um, it's just for people with hurts, hang-ups, and habits, people with drug addiction and alcohol addiction that just come. And when you hear their testimonies, when you hear their stories, it's always the same. It doesn't usually start with waking up one morning and that person is completely in bondage. It usually is like, it's fantastic. It's like you hear the testimonies and something happens in early childhood and it's something happens. Something leads to something else and uh, people think, you know, it's not a big deal. I just keep going with it. No, I can still deal with it. I can cope with it and I can figure something else out and I'm still in control, right? And it's always the same story until they get to a point where they realize, man, I really have nothing under control anymore. This is really completely out of my hand and then they're trying to fix it. It, right? The, so people try to step in to fix it and maybe to compensate for something. And in the end, they just dig themselves deeper into it. And then comes the depression where everything's like, man, I tried even to, to fix it myself and I can't. Everything fails. I have come to the end of my rope. And this is usually when the people come to celebrate recovery, uh, where they come to believe in Jesus Christ as our higher power. Amen. I mean, when you're stuck in muck and mire, when, when we were kids and we grew up on a, a countryside up north in, in Austria, and sometimes we were just dreading through deep mud, right? It was just this nice, gushy thing under the shoes. But man, every once in a while, this, this mud was really deep, and you got stuck there. And you, you pulled along, all of a sudden, the boot was stuck, right? <laughs> you can't move forward. That ever happened to you? The boot is stuck, and you don't know if you can move forward. And so the only thing you can do is help. You cry out for help. Somebody has to stabilize you and get the boot out until both of you are out. And this is what we're doing in Celebrate Recovery. We're helping them. First of all, we lead them to the cross because we firmly believe that healing happens at the cross. Everything that happens afterward, we call it like physical therapy. You have to work it out in the practical, right? To, to recondition yourself. But first we come to the cross, to the healer, and then we start the physical therapy. So it's a wonderful program, Celebrate Recovery. And so we're doing and dealing a lot with addiction, but bondage doesn't necessarily always start with um, getting drunk, you know, or using um, medicine or drugs or, or whatever. Bondage can start very simple and sometimes just creeping in into your life. In Galatians 5, 1 and 13 Paul reminds us, for freedom, Christ has set us free. So stand firm, therefore, and do not submit 
again to the yoke of slavery. See, when Paul is saying this, he has this yoke in mind. Okay, we, nowadays we have a tractor, you know, that's just pulling the cards. Our, our boy Liam, he got to drive a tractor two days ago, and it was, it was a hoot for him. He had a blast um, loading hay bales from A to B. Um, Jenna has um, relatives up north here, uh, close to Hibbing. And so we did this. But in the olden times, you didn't have that. You didn't have a tractor. You had easels and, and bowls that just had to pull along whatever you were just hooking him up to, right? And so there was this yoke, this, like this, this, this yard-long bar with a little bit of a bow in, on it, and you just put it on the neck of that ox, um, and he's just pulling. So when Paul says that, for freedom, Christ has set you free, stand, therefore, and do not again submit to this yoke. It's like you, you just somehow come under this yoke, and sometimes it doesn't, I mean, who, who in the right mind would do that? You know, it's like, I'm free. No, I want to pull the yoke again just with, you know, it's, it's like it looks attractive. Something pulls you in, and slowly you're kind of just getting down and loading this yoke on you again. And then after a while, you just don't notice it anymore. And you just dread along and dread along with everybody else. And you have no idea how this life was before. You can't even think how it could be any different. This is what Paul is warning us for. And in the context that he is saying it, Galatians, the letter of Galatians was not written to alcohol addicted people. It was written to, to Jews, right? To godly people. So when he talks about the freedom, he's talking about the Jewish tradition, actually. He, Paul had to deal a lot with Judaizers um, that said salvation is great, believing in Jesus is great, but you know, you still need to observe the law, you still need to get circumcised, you still need to observe the Sabbath and this and that and that and this. So all these regulations were added. And here Paul is like, when you're free, Christ has set you free completely apart from the law, completely a, a, apart from legalism and just earning your, your, your merit toward righteousness. And apart from this, when Christ has done this work in you, why would you again just fall into tr- this tradition that was just this assumption of moving toward freedom? Why would you do that? And sometimes th- those yokes, and nowadays they can have different different meanings, different words, it's different concepts, maybe it's philosophies, maybe it's just things that look good, but really, they, they lead us into bondage somehow. So I really like this. In verse 13, Paul says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh again. There's something about our flesh that we can, when we give our flesh free reign, it will lead us back into bondage. It will lead us back into slavery, into bondage. But Paul warns us from that. He says, once you have been set free, don't give in to your flesh anymore. Because it's like a one-track mind. It just leads back somehow into bondage. And then you're in, in this again. And you, you're just doing I always have this picture of Samson in my mind. You know, Samson ended up, by the end of his life, because he was always compromising, he ended up spinning the mill at the prison, walking in circles. He had to be led by a child because he was blind. It's like being completely blind and having no future and just walking. This is how it is sometimes in bondage. You're blind. You don't see anything toward the future. Um, and you just feel like that you're spinning in circles. You're spinning your wheels and you're not getting anywhere. And it can look harmless or positive. And sometimes we just want it to get our own way. But... So it comes creeping 
in, in into our life. And maybe you've heard you, yourself say sentences, I feel like that my hands are tight. My hands are tight. I cannot do anything anymore. Or I feel like I'm stuck. I cannot move forward anymore. Or I do not know what, what the future holds. We all say that. But like I'm stuck and I, I, I can't undo anything. I cannot do my past anymore. Um, the classic, I always like this. The classic is when you know you go to a grocery store uh, and you switch grocery stores in just to avoid a broken relationship somewhere. Right? It's like, oh, you use a different entrance just because you know people that are working there, a family relationships or something that's broken, and you start avoiding certain stores. When you start avoiding things and you're hiding and you, you just go out of your way just to avoid relationships, like you're stuck. There's something, there's, there's a bondage in your life. But we were not meant to live in bondage, amen? We were created to be free. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them free. Otherwise, he would have created a foreman for them. <laughs> okay, here's Adam and Eve, and here's a foreman. Please listen to what this guy is telling you and just do exactly. No, he created them free. He created creation. Everything that God created was, was good, right? And then he created Adam and Eve, and it was good. And so he put good and good together uh, so the, to enjoy each other. We were supposed to live in freedom and not in, in bondage, because only in this freedom, we enjoy God's destiny for our life and God's purpose for our life. So this morning, I just want to um, just draw from one example from the Old Testament about one guy who I believe we, we all know, and he is like the prime example of slavery and being stuck in prison. And I just want to point out how he handled himself while being in bondage, because that eventually led to his freedom, and that is Joseph. When you have your Bibles, go with me to Genesis 37. Genesis 37. And I'm going to call this sermon Prison Break, just because it sounds cool. Let's call it Prison Break. How do you get out of prison? You know, we have this, in modern days, we just have those cool movies, you know, where somebody breaks, he uses his wits, and somebody just gets out of prison, right? But very often, like for 99.9% of everybody else, it doesn't work the same way, Right? So, but God has destined something here that leads us eventually always out of bondage. It will always lead us toward freedom. We don't even have to actively work on it, but there's, there's a couple of principles that if we just apply them, it would eventually always lead us back to freedom. I just want to recap this from Joseph's life. Um, it goes over several chapters. It says in, in verse 1, Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Canaan. And these are the generations of, of Jacob. So Joseph was Jacob's, Jacob and Esau. Do you remember the story? And they were the sons of Abraham and Isaac and Ishmael. Um, Isaac had 12 sons. Uh, Isaac had Jacob and Jacob had 12 sons. And then Jacob was renamed Israel. So and it says here in verse 3, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other. He was his beloved son. He was the, the son of his old age. But there was something about Joseph. Um, in verse 2 it says, Joseph brought bad report of them, meaning the brothers, to their father. Um, in verse 4, 
But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told the dream to his brothers, they hated him even more. So it's like you have this whole beginning and setting of the stage for Joseph's life literally within five verses. And everything else unfolds from there. We kind of know how the story goes. Joseph then goes out to find his brothers out on the field. The brothers say, this is it. This is the opportunity. We get rid of Joseph once and for all. He's a troublemaker. He always tells on us we don't like that. So we're going to kill him. But they don't want to get their hands bloody. So there is just a ditch. Let's just dump him in there. And the beasts of the wild will just take care of the rest. So they do that. And then they have a better plan because they see a caravan coming down to Egypt. Um, and they're like, well, let's just make money off of him. Why not? Getting some gain out of this guy's life. And so they're selling him, and he's being sold to Potiphar, who is the, like the head of the national guard of King Pharaoh, and, which is huge, which is huge. King Pharaoh, back in the ancient world, was considered God himself. He was considered the son of Ra, right? He was God himself, and so he needed a national guard. And those, when you know something about national guards, then when the army abandons you and turns against you, the national guard will not. Those are the most loyal people, the strongest people, and they're smaller. It's a smaller group, and they're usually close uh, to the king, so that in case something happens, an uproar happens, they can encircle and just protect the king. So that was a huge responsibility. Potiphar was, was a great person. He had a huge responsibility, and he, kept, he was a keeper of the prison, the national prison. Um, and so Joseph was sold to him as a slave. He needed a lot of slaves. We know how the story goes on. His wife couldn't keep his hands off of Joseph. Joseph ran away. But then he ended up in prison because uh, she told on him, and it was a lie. And so he ended up in prison. Now, Joseph spent 23 years. He was 17, we read here, when all of this happened. He was 17 when he was sold into slavery. But for 23 years, he was in slavery and in bondage. We had a couple uh, months ago, or actually one year ago, we realized that our middle daughter, Helen, she just spent more life now, more time of her life here in America than she did in Austria. We moved when she was two years old. Now she's five. So there was like this certain day. I bet it was with this with Joseph too. All of a sudden, after 17 years in bondage, she was like, you know what? I spent more time in bondage now than I did free. That's weird. It's just a weird thought just to think like that. But it didn't stop there. It just went on and on and on and on. So Joseph was in prison. And it was like the, this, that was his darkest time, literally. That was like all his way into bondage and ending up in the prison cell. That was like his darkest time. But the way that he handled himself here and the principles that we get out of this, I, I just want to point it out. And the principle number one is, um, and I just use a sentence that we're all familiar with. Good com- um, bad company corrupts good character. Remember that, right? There's something about Joseph that made him initially tell on his brothers. See, in verse 2, when it says, And Joseph 
brought a bad report of them to their father. So he told on his own family. He told on his own brothers that they were doing something corrupt. I mean, when you think about it, how, how, how far does it go? How, how much is within the person that the person just all of a sudden comes up with the idea, let's kill our own brother? The, an idea like this just doesn't happen overnight, right? So you can tell that there is something in the character of his brothers that have been developed over time. His brothers were bad company. So Joseph, instead of just joining the bad company, just the way that they talk, just the way that they're treating other people, the way that they're deceiving, the way, just the, the way that they live and handle themselves, there was something about Joseph that Joseph said, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to become like this, and I don't want to be associated like this. And so he told his father that they're doing something bad. And, of course, they got in trouble. I, I was in the same boat once. I told on my brother something that they did bad. Oh, man, I was shunned for a couple months. <laughs> it wouldn't take me along for anything that they were doing. It's not fun, but when you're, when you're not partnering with something that is bad, you will be an outcast. And this is exactly what happened here with Joseph. He chose not to stay in bad company, even though it was his own family, his own brother's. He chose to do what was right in God's eyes. And God honored that and God blessed that. We, there's something about bad company that when we're maneuvering ourselves or when we're fellowshipping with bad company, it will always lead us to being stuck. It will always lead us to being somehow not free. God has designed us for freedom, but if we're in cahoots with bad company and we're just moving along. You know, maybe you notice it with work colleagues. Maybe you come to work and you come and you have worship songs on your mind, right? But then somebody says something bad and the gossip starts and the bad, the negativity starts and everything is just bad. Um, and you just hold your lips, you zip your lips for a while. But then, you know, after noon comes along, you're like, yeah, man, I think you're really right. You know, you just, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Well, now the door is open, right? So now the door is open, and, and it's just too easy, and then everybody joins you, and it's like, and all of a sudden, you're, you're in the middle of this. It's like bad company just always draws you in, and then you walk away from work wondering, man, I left dirtier than I walked in today, this morning. It just doesn't feel right. And it all happened because you're surrounding yourself, and you're agreeing with bad company and with the ideas that are ungodly. And so there's one thing where if we're, we can tolerate bad company, and we sometimes do that even way too much. You know, we, we want to save people, but very often we're just being dragged right into it. But if we're fine with everything that we're tolerating, if we're fine with, with bad company, the one thing will never happen in our lives. God will never lead our lives to fulfillment and to, to fruition with his purpose for our life. We will never get to, to fulfill the calling that God has put on our lives if we are stuck in bad company. We have to remove ourselves out of it. We had people in Celebrate Recovery, and one of the first things they always do is just to delete the, the phone contacts. Then that doesn't always help because the other people still have their numbers, and they're still calling them. They're still, hey, do you want to come along? No, we're not doing drugs anymore. We're just partying. You don't have to drink anything. It's going to be all casual. And the temptation is there. 
You don't want to shun the friends, the people that you grew up with, you know, and slowly you, you start again. And we have prayed for freedom for people that were set free and everything was going on the right track, but just because of bad relationships, they somehow got entangled back into it. So there's something about bad company. If we don't break with bad company, it will get us stuck in bondage. It will always lead us back to bondage and we will not fulfill God's calling on our life. Then there's a second thing, which I really want to make this main point here, and that I call, again, it's a scripture. I call, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's from 2 Corinthians 3.17. I'm just really quick. 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image that we're beholding. There's a, we're always being transformed in what we're beholding. Being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know, there's... We, we are capable as Christians to live, and that's positive. I'm not saying, sometimes we talk about the Christian bubble. You know, we're living in the church bubble and Christian bubble. But I want to talk about it in a positive way. We can live in the Holy Spirit bubble that we're supposed to live in. We're supposed to live in the presence of the Spirit because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. No matter what the circumstances are around, no matter what the people say, no matter what works and what doesn't work, if we're living in the fellowship of God, if we're living in the fellowship, who is the Spirit, if we're living in the fellowship of the Spirit, there's going to be freedom. All the churches that are persecuted right now in China and just everywhere, they are thriving because it... Because the bondage and the pressure from outside of on our own life or the church's life is never greater than the power that we have when we're just in this bubble of where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom that nobody can take away. Amen? I, I used to, uh, my early career was as a car mechanic. So I was just under cars, you know, and just fixing cars. And, you know, Monday morning and Sunday was just really fresh on my mind. You probably have the same thing. You go back to work and you have worship songs on your mind, right? You pray and you talk with God and you, 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 you're just praying. You're just in this, this God bubble. And my work colleagues saw me from afar and they're like, are his lips moving? Is he talking? There's nobody else there. This guy is nuts. He's talking with himself the whole time. And so they, they made fun of me. I said, no, you know, yesterday I'm just singing. You know, yesterday I was at church and they all knew that I was a Christian. But there, even when things are not going well, I used that example yesterday too. When I was in the military, we had a sergeant who wanted to give us a really hard time. Last week was super bad, and he just wanted to drill us, like, the hardest way. And so we were, like, 50 people in a little company here, and he wanted us to march, and we all, it had to sound like one step, right? One step, it's just the whole shebang. And so we were just shoulder and shoulder, and everybody was sweating. It was Monday morning, and everything was hot outside already. It was summertime. But we had release um, over the weekend, so I was at church, and I was helping in the youth, and I was leading worship there with the youth. 
And I had all these worship songs in my mind, right? And no matter what happened there in the military, it didn't bug me. And I was just walking there, and everybody was tired. It was almost like sleepwalking, but I felt good. I felt good just because I had soaked up on Sunday God's presence, and I was in my little God bubble. And all of a sudden, the sergeant said, everybody, stop! And we stopped. We're like, okay, we did something wrong again, right? And all of my former name, I, I took on um, Jana's uh, family name, uh, Allison. My former name was Marianovich in Europe. It's kind of, it, it's not that. <laughs> I just thought it sounds better, Allison, than Marianovich. Everybody say Marianovich. It's hard to say. It's hard. Anyway, so, and then the sergeant says, recruit Marianovich. Uh, everybody looks at me like, come behind the truck with me. <laughs> I mean, we're 50 people. What in the world am I doing wrong? We're like cookie cutters. Everyone is just trying to march the same way exactly. Nobody's just supposed to stick out. Otherwise, you get in trouble. And so everybody thought, okay, I'm in trouble. So we went behind the truck. And he says, recruit Marjanovic, what are you doing? And I said, I didn't know what what am I doing. Well, you're ridiculing me the whole time. How am I really ridiculing you? And he said, well, I'm just trying to give you guys the hardest time, and you just walk around with this weird smile on your face. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Well, I said, you know, I, yesterday I, I was at church, and I'm just still happy. And he said, I have to knock off my happiness. It's like, you can't be happy here. This is the military. There's something about the military. You know, we always made jokes when you, when you in Austria, when we go in, you have to switch your brain off because then you have to follow orders, right? So you don't have a free will anymore. You just step in, and once you, you get to that camp, you switch your brain off, and then you only follow orders, follow orders. But even in, in the presence of where, where, where you had no freedom to make your own decisions, to go left or to go right, or to say, I'm going to take a lunch break, you were at the mercy of somebody else who, whom you had to submit to the entire time. But even in a context like this, it's possible to just have your Holy Spirit bubble. Amen? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. No matter what surrounding you are. And Joseph had exactly the same experience when, when you read in Genesis 39.3, I'm flipping back again here. It says, 39 verse 3, His master saw that the Lord was with him. Now he's a slave. And the master saw that the Lord was with him. How does the master see that the Lord was with him? He's invisible. The Lord is spirit, we just read. Um, he had so many slaves, and there is one slave that's somehow sticking out more than any other slave, and makes makes Potiphar believe that the Lord is with him. There's something different about a person like this. There's just something different. And then later on, what do we have it? In verse twenty-six, no, twenty-one. 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So he was in prison. Now, how does God show his steadfast love to somebody who is in prison? He's not getting out, right? So, but there's, there's emotional. It's like 
he can feel God's presence. There's something there. No matter what happens, no matter how dark the dungeon is, there's no light coming in. It reeks. There are rats passing by and cockroaches and everything. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And he felt that. He felt that he was emotional. He was like in his bubble with God. Joseph had that. In, in 40, chapter 40, it says Joseph was still confined. And then later on in 41, uh, 38, this is coming from the, from the mouth of Pharaoh. He says, can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Pharaoh who was a self-proclaimed God on earth, walking around a God on earth, says to a prisoner, who, is there anybody like this guy in whom there is the Spirit of God? Man, there was something about Joseph that he saw. Of course, he interpreted the dream, and so God used him in, in a certain way, but there is something about this guy that Pharaoh saw. And no matter what circumstance there was for Joseph, it did not matter because his freedom was not confined by bondage or by slave, by, by slavery, by shackles, by any circumstance, by people yelling at him or doing, uh, telling him what to do. It was not determined by any of that, but solely by where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And he could just walk all his day through the day and do whatever. He can clean Potiphar's toilet. He can do this and that. It does not matter what he's doing. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And it's in our own life the same way. Sometimes we, when we're in prison, when we're going, we have a jail ministry. And it's such a blessed ministry. Just to go to the jails and to see the inmates that have just gotten a hold of a Bible and that soak it up. They eat a Bible up and you come and you lead them to the Lord and something changes. You come back in two weeks again and there is a beam on their face. There is a, there's something has changed. They're still in prison, but where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And people around those people can tell us, man, you changed. You don't talk the same way. You don't act the same way. You're somehow happy no matter what happens. Somebody steals your food. You're still happy. See, nobody can take our spirit away. If a thief breaks in into our house and steals everything that we have, nobody can, can steal the spirit of God, right? If we're walking through a divorce and we're being ditched and something ugly happens in our life, nobody can divorce the presence of the Spirit from our life. No matter what happens in our life, even if we're in bondage, nobody can take, nobody can confine the Spirit in our life. Sometimes I hear people in older age every once in a while complaining that they're still, that they're not useful to God anymore. Oh man. <laughs> Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? And what happened to Joseph and what happened to other people is not defined or is not confined to age either. And back in Vienna, we wanted to start an elderly ministry that's called Nothing to Lose. You know, nothing to lose. You know, you can just go out and evangelize. Shame barriers are out the window anymore, anyway, so <laughs> let's just go out and evangelize and minister. Where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. And Joseph knew that well. Do you remember with Silas and, and um, Paul in prison? 
They were stuck in the dungeon and their hands and feet in the block, right? And they, they could not minister all the way through ancient Turkey. And so they had this Macedonian call to come over to Europe. Now, the first thing that happens in Europe is they're in prison. And the darkest, deepest cell, they're in prison. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. What did they do? They didn't complain. They sang worship. They worshiped God. I believe it was not just songs of lament, but I believe it was praise to God. That God has protected them all the way, just coming that far. And that the God who called them to, to, to their hands to the plow, the God who had led them so far has not abandoned them, no matter what the circumstances look like. So where the Spirit of the Lord was for them, there was the freedom. And they had the freedom to start worshiping. And there is something, when we're in, in the Spirit of the Lord, when we're there, it's just a matter of time until it leads to freedom again. For Paul and Silas, the prison cells shook, and they, had to walk, they, they could walk out. All the other prisoners ran away. They, had, they were chilled. They were like, no, we don't have to run away. What the Spirit of the Lord is there's freedom. If we're here in prison, I'm not moving unless you say that we can go. You know? It's amazing. I want to leave us with this. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's the second key for us to, if we want to unlock freedom in our life, the first thing was, uh, if, we're, if we're fine to stay in company that has somehow entangled us in, into captivity, then we need to break with those things. And we need to come out. Because God once has designed us for freedom. And then no matter what the outside circumstances are, when the Spirit of the Lord, when we just dwell and guard, the Bible talks about do not grieve the Holy Spirit. He's a real person that we can grieve, but if we guard that in our lives, we will have freedom no matter where we are, no matter what the circumstances, and it's just going to be a matter of time. There's one more thing that God wants to use to, to work toward it, and that is keep serving. The one thing that we see here in Joseph's life in 39 verse 3, it says, His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in, the side, in his sight and attended him and made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. I mean, the prison guard... If something goes wrong in the prison and you're the prison guard, you end up in prison for life. That was a huge responsibility. And here the prison guard puts a prisoner in charge of anything that happens here in prison. It's a huge responsibility. And Joseph didn't say it is, it's like, you know what? I just tried to serve God. I tried to do the right thing. I tried to do the godly thing. I'm not going to serve anything anymore. He had the right to say that, but he didn't. He kept serving in every circumstance. He, whatever he could find, he was just doing, because he, he was just this edified by where the Spirit of the Lord is. And then when the, when the two uh, officers of Pharaoh came to him, and they were in prison there with him, he interpreted their dreams. Remember the story? The baker and the cupbearer were in prison, and they had dreams at night. And so early the next morning, Joseph comes to them and he asks them, what's bothering you guys? And they were sharing, they're saying that they had bad dreams. Now Joseph had every right. Do you remember what got Joseph in trouble in the first place so many years ago? 
It was a dream that he had for his own life. He believed that God gave him a dream for his life that he should be in leadership. And somehow this leadership involves that, that he's going to be head over his own family and leading them. That is what got him in trouble. There was like a prophecy that God gave him that he, that he believed would be true. Now, he had no idea if this will still be true one day. All he knew that he was in prison. After 23 years of slavery, of being a slave, he, he ended up in prison because he once had a dream from God and he was bold enough to share it. Now, he had every right to the other two inmates who said that we have a dream. They said, oh, I had a dream once too. I had a dream once too, but you know what? <laughs> Forget dreams. They don't come true. I had a dream once that I would be a leader over my own family and look where I'm here. 23 years later, I'm in prison. So forget your dreams. He didn't do that. He said, how can I help you? And he interpreted their dreams and he helped them. He said, this is from God. He had this God connection already. He was living in where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. And he never stopped serving. There is something about service where we're keeping ser serving, where we are willing to serve God, no matter what the circumstances. God has a way to serve it right back into our life. And it lead, if, it, if this is prison, he serves us right back out the door, out of prison, out of confinement, out of where we're stuck. We have a, a janitor who has given uh, me a two weeks notice uh, at Riverside Church. And I'm lo I was looking for a new janitor. But then I just felt it so strong. And I said, you know, I talked with, with my staff. Uh, as and so I just shared, it's like, I have something in my heart. I believe we should start a cleaning ministry. Just completely volunteer-based. And everybody says, no, you don't want to do that. Come on. If we start a cleaning ministry, then people are going to be allowed. They don't want to show up. And then the other people have to clean. We have tried this once in the past. And it hasn't gone over so well. And I get all that. I get all that. But there's something else behind it where I believe that if, if we create opportunities for people to serve in the church, God will serve their life somehow. And there is a blessing that comes back. I almost want to stand at the pulpit and say, guys, if you want to have a blessing in your life, go ahead and, and clean the toilets. Or just do something. You know? But if you're plugging in, if you're willing to serve God no matter what, God serves it right back into your life. And whatever the circumstances, God leads you right through it. And once I shared that, everybody was on board, so now we're going to start a cleaning ministry. I hope it was not, it's not going to be a failure, but I believe in that. I believe in this principle that if we're serving God, that God is serving right back into our life. And Joseph did this in his life. He never stopped serving. So those are the three things that I really want to leave us with this morning. Watch our company because it, the company determines if we're, if we're confined or if, if we can stay free. But then also where the Spirit of the Lord is, no matter what the circumstances, what the gossip around us is, what this and whatever happens in our life, if we don't make financial ends meet, whatever the circumstances, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and God always leads us back to freedom if we live in this, because God, God is faithful, Amen. And not only in this psychological and emotional state of 
I feel God and God is here, but also putting our hands to the plow, whatever. The smallest thing that we usually disregard as useless and this is just miscellaneous things that we don't have to do, but through the small things where we are just faithful, God has a way of turning things around in our life. It's a fantastic principle. And I just want to leave us with this. Amen?